professional or amateur athlete is injured, time to treatment is critical. That's why more tri-state schools and coaches trust the trainers and doctors of Beacon Orthopedics. In fact, more than 30 high schools, club, college, and pro teams choose Beacon Orthopedics as their official medical providers. On the sidelines and in the operating room, we get athletes back in the game safely and quickly with comprehensive sports medicine care. At Beacon Orthopedics, we care for the pros, student-athletes, and weekend warriors every day. On my drive-in to work this morning, I heard two words that, that were described as the greatest words in all of sports. Game 7, obviously the World Series tonight, Nationals and Astros. I have two words in Ohio high school football <laughs> That may be right up there as well. Week 10. I'm your host, Mike Dyer. Welcome. To, uh, pleased to be joined by Ohio High School football projections analyst Steve Shuck here on the WCPO High School Insider Podcast. Steve, it's great to have you in the studio. Always my pleasure. Enjoy it. And we're also going to be talking Little Miami football today with head coach Caleb Jones and senior quarterback Brody Reeder. Guys, thanks for taking a few minutes. We're going to get to Coach Jones and Brody here in just a second. As always, this WCPO High School Insider Podcast is presented by our local Chick-fil-A restaurants. Catering is Chick-fil-A's winning play of the game, perfect for your holiday parties. Order today in the app. And as always, you can get this WCPO High School Insider Podcast on Google Play, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Obviously, a very busy week. It's just started for me. I took Monday off, Steve, as uh, as you know very well. I don't think there are any days off for you. In fact, I know there are no days off for you as the Greater Miami Conference Commissioner and the Ohio High School football playoff projections expert that you are. You've been formally pro- uh, projecting these playoff uh games or these playoff possibilities obviously since 1996 and I want to get more in depth with with you on all seven regions especially in region eight where our guests today uh coach Jones and uh, senior quarterback Brody Reeder in Little Miami they are in uh obviously a a struggle to get uh, to the playoffs here with uh, several other teams I wouldn't say a struggle because hey they're in it and uh, a lot of teams (laughs) wish to be in that position but let's bring in coach Jones and Brody Reeder again thanks for taking a few minutes guys Little Miami seven and two they play host to 6-3 and three, Simon Kenton Friday night. Panthers have won back-to-back games, uh, defeated Edgewood last week 41-24, to and Brody uh, 12 of 16 passing for 231 yards and two touchdowns in that win. He also had 73 yards and a touchdown. And uh, Coach, I'll just start with you. Uh, piggybacking off of last year's playoff appearance, the first since 1992 for the Panthers. How special has this season been for uh, you and your staff? Absolutely. This uh, season's been uh, everything that we've expected uh, from the offseason moving forward as soon as I got the job. <clears throat> Obviously, we had a, had a mission to set out to try to get to that playoff spot. Um, I think the culture of Little Miami has changed quite a bit over the past couple of years um, with what we have put out there as a product on the field. I'm really proud of the kids that we have uh, moving, moving forward this year. And, uh, you know, I think... I think we're uh, right in a perfect spot, right where our seniors want to be, and everything that we've worked for uh, is going to boil down to this Week 10 game. I want you to talk about uh, the player to your left there in a second, but uh, overall, just what are you pleased with um, on both sides of the ball right now for uh, going into Week 10 for the Panthers? You know, we, we, we have a pretty balanced attack as far as, as, far as our offense. 
Um, Brody, obviously, I'll talk about him in a minute, but he'll, he can get things done. But we have quite a few weapons that uh, he can he can spread the ball around to this year. Um, Andrew Hines being one of them. Reese Stocksdale being another. That's a home run threat all the time. Um, we have guys that just step up. We've had some injuries throughout the year, um, and I'm really pleased that uh, we say always say next man up, and we've had success with those guys stepping up and, and, and stepping into roles that we need them to do to make our team successful. Um, our defense is led by Sean Busher. He's, he's done an excellent job so far this year. I think he's the leading tackler so far in the SWAC uh, this year. Um, you know, we, we, we tend to give up a couple of yards on, on defense, but uh, we're a bend but not break defense pretty much the whole season. So we've, we've held tough. Uh, our offense kind of bails us out, and we bail them out when, when things get uh, hairy. And I'm just proud of, proud of both of our players and our, and our guys uh, getting things done. Brody, what's it been like uh, around school and just around the community uh, as everybody anticipates this uh, final regular season game? Um, there's definitely a lot of energy around the school. I know uh, a lot of the seniors who I've gone to school with my whole life, not even being football players, are kind of bittersweet about it. They're they're excited for us, but at the same time as all the football players, they don't want it to end. And then just the underclassmen support has been it's been tremendous, and the teachers are all rallying around what we're putting together from last year up until this year. So it's really exciting and. I'm excited for the game and hopefully our playoff run. Coach, I just harken back to last year, obviously uh, winning the first playoff game since 1992, Division II regional semifinalist. Uh, such a special year. Everything came together. Uh, as everybody knows, obviously, head coach Nate Mahan went back to his alma mater and uh, has done uh, some great things there at Hamilton this year in Division One. But uh, what was your kind of your thought process going into this season, uh, knowing that you had been defensive coordinator there for three years, uh, bringing in offensive coordinator and Brandon Sammons, who's done an excellent job for your offense, obviously. Uh, what was kind of the, the, uh, the mindset as you guys kind of got ready for this this fall? Um, you know, we sat down. I, first thing as I got hired, I tried to put together that staff. And I've done a, you know, the guys that I've hired have done a great job. Brandon Sammons, as you, man, as you mentioned, he's, uh, helped, he's done a great job leading our offense. And uh, I can trust him and make sure he's, he can get things done on his own. Uh, Robbie Begley uh, is leading the defense for us. Uh, he's doing a great job as well. Um, but our, our thinking going into this season was to take care of the little things. Um, and you know, we have the foundation of winning in our program. And if we take care of the little things, you know, the bigger things can kind of take care of themselves. Um, so we focused on just doing, doing everything right, you know, doing the little things right, whether it was in the classroom or out on the field or running off the field or finishing the drill, the wet, whatever we wanted in the weight room. Uh, that was the mantra trying to get things done, uh, do the little things right. Um, and I think I think that paid off. I think our kids understand that that mentality and they're understanding, you know, that little Miami is going to uh, continue with this tradition, with this great senior class that we have here with Brody and representing us. And, uh, you know, it just goes on down the list right there. Um, as far as the playoffs, that was always obviously the goal. Uh, we wanted to go out on a high note and the swak as well. Um and I think we did a pretty decent job this year as far as the regular season. But uh, at this point in time, we are where we are, and uh, we're in a pretty good spot to clinch that number eight uh, spot in the playoffs. And that would be that would be. 
pretty sweet. You mentioned how Brody has represented the program with class. Um, can you just talk about his impact, not only on the field, but just off the field and, and for your entire program, the way he's, he's led uh, the Panthers here the past couple of years? Absolutely. Um, you know, he steps up big time on the football field for us as the stats show he's done it for three years now since he was a sophomore uh had thousand yard passing each year um he's up to 1600 yards this year is his highest total so far uh obviously he's a dynamic runner he can tuck it and go the distance at any time some of the times i'm on the sideline and i'm like ready I hope you slide right here and he doesn't take a huge <laughs> shot. Uh, but uh, so after after I say that, he makes a huge play and he scampers for a touchdown. And, you know, I'm like, wow, well, I told him to do that. No, <laughs> but uh, he, he's a great kid, does everything we ask him to do in the weight room. He's a multi-sport athlete. You know, that, that can't be said, you know, more. Every, everybody that's a multi-sport athlete can get out there and get things done and, uh, you know, show their talents at different spots and they're not focused on one thing at all times. And I think that's a good thing for youth today. Um, and obviously he gets it done in the classroom. He's an excellent student, um, represents the community. The youth program loves him. He's down there helping out those young kids. And, you know, they just, their glimmer in their eyes lights up when they see him come out to a practice at youth and uh, just a great representation of the Little Miami. And Brody, what does Little Miami football, what has it meant to you here the past uh, four years? Um, for me, it, it spans back to before high school. I've played up through the Little Miami Wee system ever since kindergarten. So, I mean, I, I've had all my siblings come up through Little Miami too. So I've really experienced all the ups and downs of all the programs. And, and you know, the high school went through a rough stretch in the past, but now we've kind of bounced back and, and for me, winning has always been the only thing in football. And I come, we had a very successful youth team growing up and it carried over into junior high. And I think the attitude of, of our youth team, those core guys are now stepping up as seniors and, and we just have that winning attitude on the football team. And I think really it's kind of spanned across the whole school. It's like now we've won that SWAC that SWAC uh, all sports trophy four years. And I, I would, I mean, I think the football attitude has something to do with it because it's like, okay, we're getting it done in the biggest sport in the school and that it's on that stage and everybody sees it and everybody wants to strive to be that kind of excellent. That's great. Brody, obviously you're multi-sport athlete, as coach mentioned. I mean, where do you, uh, I know you have some interest in engineering from what I understand. I mean, yeah. what are you looking to do for uh, next year and play at the next level? Um, it, I'm kind of just waiting back on some applications and see what kind of academic money I can get because the FCS stuff, they don't really do, um, they don't do athletic scholarships. And then I have a walk, a couple walk on offers obviously aren't scholarships. So, you know, I'm just trying to see where all that stuff falls into place. And then hopefully I can make my decision sooner rather than later. That's great. And uh, coach, I guess I'll, I'll kind of conclude with uh, just so much momentum as you've just alluded to Brody's alluded to here within the little Miami uh, football program and athletics uh, overall. And I understand just uh, a week or so ago, the little Miami board of education approved a plan for replacing the turf and uh, the track there at the stadium. And uh, uh, what are your thoughts on that? And uh, you know, how significant is that uh, uh, building uh, the future and momentum going into 2020? Absolutely. Uh, super stoked about having that uh, go through the school board. Um, 
our turf needs it absolutely so you know it's 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 a great thing it's like christmas for a football coach you know getting a new turf uh out there uh the administration is 100 percent behind me uh behind the school athletic programs behind the academics everything the athletic director mr pantling has you know been excellent to help me out um so far in my first year as being a head coach um getting that new turf is going to be great you know we'll, we'll have more opportunities for our program and for our school to get our name out there uh, potentially maybe host a playoff game you know so that that's going to go a long way for us absolutely great stuff little miami head football coach caleb jones and senior quarterback brody reader i really appreciate you guys joining the wcpo high school insider podcast this afternoon and best of luck to the panthers on friday night thank, thank you. you appreciate it thanks guys see you mike Little Miami coach Caleb Jones and senior quarterback Brody Reeder were kind enough to join us here in the WCPO High School Insider Podcast. And uh, Steve, I'll bring you into the discussion here in, in a quick second here. I want to remind everybody this WCPO High School Insider Podcast is presented by our local Chick-fil-A restaurants where the winning play is always chicken. Go for the extra point today with a side of their new macaroni and cheese. Steve, we've talked uh, at length about Region Eight there, and uh, <laughs> I said I was going to go chronologically here, yeah, but I want to. I want to stay. <laughs> I'm going to stay within Division Two Region Eight for a quick okay. second because okay. there have been. I had a lot of questions. I covered that Wenton Woods at LaSalle game this past Friday night there at yeah. Lancer Stadium, and uh, what an effort, obviously, by uh, senior running back Mayan Williams and the uh, the complete uh, Wenton Woods football team, uh, especially defensively in that second half, to uh, rally to defeat LaSalle. A lot of people have asked me, "Why, well, you know, if Wynn Woods beat LaSalle, they sh- should certainly be in. And I said after the game, I said, well, not not quite yet. I got to check with uh, the expert here. So as you know, I called you. You're kind enough to stay up late on Friday nights into early Saturday mornings. And you said, yeah, we, you know, we looks like we have a, quite a log jam there at number eight with Little Miami, Talawan, and Wynn Woods. Now I'll ask you nearly, uh, what, five days later. Where do we stand there in Region It's still 8? a log jam. <laughs> it is, although we get a little more in depth, you know, to the extra games that go on. So yeah, we'll. You want to jump to that to but that eight spot stay, first? Yeah, let's just stay within there. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, as we just as you just mentioned, I think Little Miami has a little bit of an edge based on current points. Uh, obviously, they have to beat Simon Kenton. That's a given. Sure. If not, the the lost points is too much to overcome by a defeated opponent. So they got to win their game first, and then they can get some extra points. For a couple of kind of fringe games could help them a little bit. If teams that are maybe a slight underdog, West Carrollton, if they could beat Stebbins, or if Goshen could beat New Richmond, those are little bumps that would raise them up a little higher. So that's about all they can reach to besides their win. Then you look at, let's go to Talawanda next. It's like, right now, if you look at it, it's Little Miami, Winton Woods, Talawanda, 8, 9, 10. Talawanda's toughest time. First, they got to beat Ross, or the, just forget it if they go, right. <laughs> put the gear away, you know, if that's the case, because they need those points to everything else. Um, there really isn't any other help available for them. They are, as far as an unexpected win, I think in their situation, they just have to hope some other people don't win that support the other, that would help the other two teams. Wenton Woods, that's another story. They're right in the middle. 
they have an open date. I guess the first thing we need to say to people who never seem to understand, that doesn't matter. Uh, if you get points, not to get too technical, but in the system, you get points for your own wins. That's called first level. Well, they played nine games. Well, they don't just get a zero for 10. You take the points they've gathered for nine weeks at the first level, and you divide them by nine, they get that average. Well, the same is true for those potential 100 games at the second level. All those people you play have 10 games. Well, they only have 90 because one of those teams up. Well, you do the same thing. You get those points, you divide them out, and you give them an average. So it it's probably doesn't hurt. People say, well, it hurts. They can't add more points, but they're adding more points. Okay. Maybe they can't get the full value of winning a game unless they've already won nine in a row, right, right. You know, which they haven't. So it, it might have helped them a little bit to have a team they could beat as long as that team had a good winning record because they could lose it on the other side. Sure. Play somebody that it's two and eight, you know, you're not going to get right. much on the second level. So given that and understanding where they are now, they have some potential possible points. Um, that I'm, I have Springfield, a good Division One team, beating Trotwood Madison, a good Division Three team. It could go the other way. It's possible. Trotwood Madison somehow raises up to a level sometimes higher Division teams. That's a possible. West Claremont over Kings would help them. Probably we, we could get into that okay. in a minute from something sure. else. But that's a game that would add points they don't have. But here's the biggie. If LaSalle would beat Elder, Wenton Woods is going to pick up a, a nice fraction, a little a six points. But it's actually going to be 6.1 because of that little fractional average here. Let's say they do and everything else is perfect. Let's say I pick every game perfect. We know that isn't right. <laughs> right. But the bottom line is an educated guess. They could if LaSalle wins and gives them more points, Wentonwoods could bump up over Little Miami and become eighth and play number one who would be LaSalle if they oh, win the wow. game? Oh, yeah. You might be going back to the same game, Mike. <laughs> that's right. Wow, <laughs> Bottom line be is, that's a, it, it's not it's a cert. It is yeah. a possible. Yeah. It yeah. is. And when I factor it out, it looks like one-tenth or one-one-hundredth of a point difference. Hmm. Would be, it could be. Of course, that's considering everything else I did was right. And like I right. say, we don't, we don't know that. But, you know, maybe a return visit. So wow. it's possible. Certainly okay. possible. So um, that kind of summarizes those three as best I I can do at this point. Well, I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, staying within Region 8, I know, as right. I wrote this morning here on WCPO.com, Turpin and Harrison all but guaranteed a spot and, and most likely a home game, obviously, yeah. as oh, well. Yes, definitely. Um, so. And then we're looking at uh, yeah, projected number three, LaSalle, four, Xenia, five, Walnut Ridge, six, Canal Winchester, and seven, St. Francis de Sales, which we're My understanding talk about the them a little bit. Go different yeah. directions. Yeah. Well, let me say first, LaSalle wins the game. They jump over Turpin and Harrison, become one, and then the Turpin and Harrison become two and three. And and I think the Xenia's Xenia's fourth. They have to beat Fairborn, and I believe they will. Fairborn three and six. So that probably gets you four. But the DeSales thing is interesting. Right now, projected number seven, just a little bit ahead of Little Miami and, and the other group, but enough that a full game's worth sure. out there. And and they. They, if they can win their game, which incidentally is Thursday, okay. not a Friday okay. game, they play Columbus Hartley, who is currently number two in the Associated Press in Division Three. The sales is top ten in Division Two, so very good, solid game. Two very good teams. But if they beat Hartley, 
they probably jump into the top four and knock Xenia out of a home game, probably get up there in the 3-4 area because okay. there's a lot of points involved, obviously, in a team that's that good with only one loss. or eight and one artless at this point. So um, that, that's something to watch as far as shuffling the order and who you're going to play, and that's what coaches want to know. <laughs> They're always saying, who yeah. do you think we're going to play? Well... You can, I'll give you the numbers and then you decide. You well, it's nice that maybe that game's on Thursday night, so give us a, a little advantage or at least a leg up right. on maybe something else within yeah. that region. Yeah, and then those two good, Columbus so. teams, Mike, Walnut Ridge and Canal Winchester, two area teams there, should win their game. One of them has a, a 5-4 team to play. Another one has a 4-5 team to play. And they've been pretty steady all year. I don't think they're going to lose the ball games, and therefore they're going to hold to the 5-6 area unless – the sales jumps over both of them with a okay. win, then they would become the six seven teams. But that's where they are. And that that region's pretty okay. This section, this section, and the last the last little one. So it's kinda of where they are. I won't say who the coach was, but a region eight coach uh, called me up uh, last week and said it's tougher to get in the playoffs in region eight than it is in region four. <laughs> Of the probably points. a good point. So That's probably I thought a it was very interesting good point. on that. Yeah, yeah it is. Let's, it, let's it, jump to Region Four while we okay. have a chance, and then we'll go back to to D three. But Region Division One, Region Four, uh, the top four are set is is in terms of qualifying. Uh, you have projected number one Elder, projection of number two Saint X, number three Fairfield, and number four Coleraine. Obviously, as everybody knows, top eight in each region qualify for the playoffs. The top four will host the first round games at the school or and or stadium site of that uh, top seeded um, uh, qualifying team. So uh, where do we want to start there, uh, Steve, in terms well, of uh, the start, top four? Let me start with my own conference okay. and say that... Uh, Give a plug for the GMC, by yeah, the way. Yeah, okay, a little plug here. <laughs> um, I, I, people are saying you're crazy when I pick Coleraine over Fairfield. I'm not belittling Fairfield at all. I'm just saying, you know, this team's gone since, what, 2008? Yeah, I don't think you're crazy at all. I mean, lost a game right. in our conference, and my, my feeling is you you got to show me you can beat them. I'm going to take them until you do. So I predicted them, and when you look at the one, two, three, four that you just mentioned, that's based on the fact that Coleraine would beat Fairfield. If Fairfield wins the game, they're number one. Okay. No doubt about it. They jump over X and Elder no matter what else happens there. And it leaves Coleraine, I think, at four. But the the number, if you look at the numbers, doesn't change for Coleraine. And here's, we, we have Elder in their situation. What if they lose to LaSalle? Mm. They're going to stay in the top four, but could they go below Coleraine? Possible. And then San X goes to Louisville. Louisville San X, not as strong as they've been in other years. Not a Trinity, not a Louisville male, but solid. Home team. Things happen. Sure. Possible there. So either of them could drop a game and either could slip below Coleraine. So make the shuffle. I'm not sure, you know, there's four of them that we can move anywhere. Okay. Well, I did that. But then, you know what? It's probably not going to matter because we're not going to know Friday night because there are three games out there that Elder and Sanex have, well, Two of those games, both of them played the teams that are playing on Saturday. Okay. Uh, Clarkson Football North, or right. whatever you call them. Yes. And I forget who the other one is, but yep. they're, they're, well, the one that's playing Molder. Molder, right. Uh, St. Catharines of Canada, or whatever. Uh, those games are all Saturday games. So we're going to be waiting to see if they're picking up points from those games or not. And maybe they're close with that 
three, four spot with if it's cold rain or or whoever it is, we may have to do a little guessing (laughs) to say it looks like this team's going to be third and fourth. So, you know, take your pick and then wait on Saturday. (laughs) Let's go up to Canada, right? Well, it kind of is. I guess we should play the Canadian anthem (laughs) or something at some point and say we're waiting to hear from them. But Uh, those four are, are, are definitely the four. But the shuffle... Could be, could be a lot of switches in it. And from a media standpoint, obviously, uh, my colleagues here at WCPO, including myself, are looking at that 4-5 possible matchup with uh, Dakota West <laughs> going to Colerain. But that's a whole other story for another day. Yeah. Obviously, as we know, Tom Bolton yes. would yes. make his return there to Cheviot Road after the two-team scrimmage there in Westchester uh, in the preseason. But uh, how about the things uh, – how do things look – six through eight and really i could say six through 13 because yeah, yeah. there are you talk about yeah. log jam in region eight we certainly have a lot of possibilities yes we do uh, yes, we in do. the bottom half of region four we'll clarify that west is fifth which we which we did basically you said we're, you're looking at a possible four or five interesting thing which it certainly would be and if things go the way expected if favorites win princeton will hold on to the sixth spot and hamilton does not need to win to finish seventh and under the current system sycamore would be eighth but it gets very close so what can happen okay here's a couple things can happen we're going to assume hamilton beats east in in that situation if they beat east and mason beats princeton hamilton jumps over princeton to number six and mason jumps in to the fray and knocks sycamore out Okay, so it would go six Hamilton, seven Princeton, eight Mason. Now there's that other one we just discovered here recently (laughs) that could change. If Mason beats Princeton and West Claremont, who we haven't talked about all year, beats Kings because that's a huge point game for all the Kings win, then they can grab the eighth spot away from Mason. Okay? Meaning if Princeton beats Mason. Right, right. I, I said that yes, right. Prince okay. Beach, yep. Beach Mason. Yep. Well, no, wait a minute. No. Because Mason would have to lose in order for somebody to grab their spot, right? That's right. That's right. Yes. Okay. They, okay. They, they would knock Sycamore out. So Princeton out. win over Too Mason. Too many of the same thing. Yeah, it would knock Sycamore out. West Claremont win so over Kings. Bottom would, line, if West Claremont wins and Mason uh, loses, right. then they they will jump into the gotcha. eighth spot and bump okay. Sycamore. And I said to Sycamore people the other day, we didn't notice them. <laughs> so you need, and they said, we just realized that. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of shuffling there. Sure. Most important, who gets in in the right. eighth spot, but then the order can change. And like I said, coaches always wonder, who are we going to play? I get more calls over the years, you know, about with a week or two to go, who do you think going to play? We want to start scouting. Well, it's an educated guess, yeah, exactly. and it certainly is. But yeah, interesting, just like eight. A lot of years, it's so cut and dry by this time, but we do have some things to watch for. Well, here's your free enough. plug. It's the GMC commissioner. Six GMC teams projected to be in the playoffs there in Region 4. How significant is that for the conference, and what's that say about uh, the quality of competition that your teams play well. I think it it is good. You do you you have a tough one pretty much out there every night. What do we do have some separation with some pretty big scores, but for the most part around the conference, you know that you better be ready to play every week. And I do, do think it helps with the pro- progression of your team throughout the year. The practice uh, 
focuses and things like that. So yeah, we're pleased and proud. I think we've only had four before. I don't know that we've had a five. Maybe we did. You looked it up. I haven't at right. this point. We felt all year like we had a shot at five, but then the six. And and let's say that that probably Walden Hills was right there for a while, and one field goal got them last week at the end. And if that doesn't happen, they win the game. They probably are one of the eight, and we would have five at the at the most. Gotcha. So, but we're pleased and thanks for the plug. Sure, and, of you course. Know, we we feel like we have a good solid conference, and we are playing now an eight games conference schedule, which we don't have much room to. That's right. Well, well, just a final thought on yeah. that region yeah. four. I mean, mm-hmm. the Fairfield Coleraine matchup, and I was talking to Scott Kaufman, the athletic director over at Lakota West, and he says in his 28 years, he can't recall another time where a Week 10 game within the GMC was a winner-take-all for the conference title. And obviously everybody knows about yeah, Coleraine's 19 yeah, consecutive yeah. GMC titles tied with Princeton, by the way, going for that record 20th. It's really, it's, it's uncanny to think of Coleraine's record, 141 and mm. one, you say that again, 141 and one <laughs> over those yeah. 19 consecutive GMC title seasons. And it's just so significant. 82 consecutive GMC wins. And it's really for all the marbles there at Fairfield Alumni Stadium on Friday night. And uh, expecting over 5,500 people talk to their AD Aaron yeah. Blankenship. Yeah. And this may be the biggest crowd we've ever had. I mean, it's got to be a, a great thing for yes. the conference, yes. no matter yes. what school you're from. Like a big playoff game. Similar exactly. kind of thing. Advance and go, go on type of thing. But, yeah, and now you wonder why I stuck with them. <laughs> not to be, again, not to I be mean, the record Fairfield. Is, yeah, it, it, the and who was the last coach himself. to beat them? Jason Krause in Middletown. He was at Fairfield, right. Yeah. He was at Middletown. Exactly. You're right. That's, that's, so that's another interesting point that's right. in the game. Well, so. let's, let's jump to uh, so many storylines, obviously Divisions 1 and 2, but uh, let's jump to Division 3, Region 12 here. Just kind of a quick breakdown. Uh, number one, sh- uh, again, these are all projections. Shamana, Julian, Wapakoneta, Franklin, Baden, St. Mary's, Trotwood, Madison, Hughes, which could make its first playoff appearance yes, in program yes. history. And by the way, if, if people don't know the history of greater Cincinnati football and just really Ohio high school football in general statewide, uh, Tim Street over the OHSA told me a couple of years ago that the Hughes-Woodward game from 1878 is the first and earliest known Ohio high school football game on record. So that's a little side note there for you. Just a, a proud tradition there at Hughes. And then eight is Ross. And then uh, we have, obviously, kind of the outside looking in right now, Greenville and Alter. Just a quick thought maybe there on Region 12, Steve. Well, quick thought, Baden, I think, is in okay. They probably, it'd be good to win their game, but I don't think a loss kicks, takes them out. They play McNick, and there's not a whole lot of points involved that they would lose. Uh, I think Hughes is okay at seven. I think they could go up a notch or down a notch. Uh, and that down a notch comes with the one situation that we know could bump Ross, and that would be... If Alter, who we've kind of discounted through the year because they wasn't lost three, three or four uh, games, they just are never used to losing. Yep, yep. I mean, that's been a very strong, dominant program in the Dayton area. All of a sudden, they they have a, a possibility to play their big rival, Chaminade Julian, this week. And if they win that ball game, they can jump into that eighth spot, and that probably would knock Ross out. So, they're going to be watching that game, in addition to that's, even with the with the win, well, no, with with a the win, they would go on up, but they, I've, I have Talawanda beating them, I sure. think. So, if they lose and Alter wins, then they're probably gone. If they lose and Alter loses, I believe they'll hold the eighth spot, because they're a pretty good gap over any other team below eight. So, I believe they're okay. It's Those two things are important for them. They don't need to know anything else, probably, on so yeah, that's. Uh, I'd be glad for Hughes too. It'd be nice to see that yeah, situation definitely. develop. Good definitely. for 
there. Quick thought here as we kind of uh, go through these other remaining regions. Mm-hmm. Division 4, Region 16, defending state champion Wyoming, projected number one, no surprise there. Clinton Massey, number two, Waynesville 3, Indian Hill, and Kenton could be in a battle for home yeah. field there, yeah, as you mentioned. Close. And I wrote this morning, Roger Bacon also looking for its first playoff appearance since 2010. And then Valley View and Milton Union there. Bethel Tate kind of on the bubble there. Uh, maybe just a quick thought there, and especially on Indian Hill, Kenton. What, what do you see there? What needs to happen for Indian Hill to get a, a home playoff game? It's impossible to say. They'll be because each situation is such a fraction that any one game that goes the wrong way, I've picked those games sure. <laughs> that affect all of them, and that's the way it came out. If I missed one that goes the opposite direction, it could flip. So uh, the home team is just, we're not going to know that right. until we look at everything. Um, yeah, the Wyoming, Clinton, Massey, always, almost always at the top. Waynesville's having a great years in the three. But I guess the thing you want to look at the most there is Bacon winning their game. Uh, that's important yeah. for them to do. I think they still could make it with if that doesn't happen, but that's a sizable number of points with Summit. So they need to win the game, which I think they will, and and that will hold their spot. The Bethel Tate thing, they were hanging on there for the last minute. They've lost two in a row the last two weeks, and both they kind of bumped down a spot each week, losing the points they did. So tough for them to climb out of that spot, I think, when you look at the numbers. It, Certainly possible, but probably not likely. Selfish reasons. I want to see a Wyoming Roger Bacon uh, playoff matchup. A lot of star power there. It would be. Wow, in that it would game. be. Wouldn't that would it? be That's really right. interesting. Division five, region twenty. Quickly here, Taft projected to be number one. Five consecutive playoff appearance for the Senators. Uh, just a great uh, accomplishment of it. Right. Obviously for Coach uh, Jeff Cargill over there at Taft, and then uh, Madeira Marymont. I know uh, that's going to be a game that uh, a lot of people are going to be watching closely. You're saying the winner of that game is in. The loser is out. Absolutely. Simple as that, Steve? It is simple as that. Uh, there's no worry about what anything else happens as far as being in and out. It might be by position, but it's strictly the winner goes and the loser does not. So playoffs start this week for those two, <laughs> I guess you would say. Because exactly. it's the same scenario. Win and keep going and lose and don't go anymore. Definitely. But CHCA yeah. also a note there, yeah, uh, they, the, the Eagles making their 10th consecutive postseason appearance. Uh, obviously a, a great uh, milestone there for uh, Coach Eric Taylor, who's also double duty uh, as AD there over yeah. there at CHCA mm-hmm. as well. Blanchester also in the thick of things there. You have them projected at number eight. No local qualifiers in Division Six, Region Twenty Four that we're aware of, obviously, nope, and then Division there. Division Seven, Region Twenty Eight. What a great story about New Miami! It is, um, isn't it? What a uh, interesting and uh, certainly uh, inspirational journey that uh, Coach Jesse Hubbard has kind of led his Vikings there, uh, taking over the program uh, in May of twenty eighteen. They were four and sixteen, um, I believe. I have that right. Uh, the, the two years prior for, to him taking over, and um, oh, just just a fantastic story. I, I wrote about them earlier this year and you have them projected number one. Cincinnati College Prep uh, projected number three. That would be their first ever playoff yeah, appearance as yeah. well. And then uh, kind of looking there, Lachlan outside shot there. And uh, you want to maybe just give a quick thought on uh, well, the there. Well, I think I mentioned this in, to someone somewhere that when you get to the small divisions, the point values of the wins are so are smaller in number. So you look at if you look at the numbers of 7, 8, 9, 10, they're, they're like 10 points something. <laughs> they're all just less than three-tenths apart. You know, so any one game can move things a lot. So, yeah, Lachlan outside chance. Of course, if they beat New Miami, that would be huge points at that level. That's probably not going to happen, but they're just sitting there trying to win. Hopefully, the other wins and losses go to their advantage, yeah. And CCP or Cincinnati College yeah. Prep, I don't know if they're ever referred Fluke's to as that. For a long job. time, yeah. I had them beating North College Hill in this game. I guess that's a game that will be difficult for them. So, if they lose 
they're not a guarantee, they need good things to happen. Uh, those points reflect a win. For a while, I had them like six and seven <laughs> down in there sure. without that. So that's certainly one for them to watch. And Great yeah. to see some uh, local teams there in Division 7. Um Doing yeah, so well, especially in Miami. I mean, we say we don't have anybody right, there. Exactly. <laughs> in That's kind of one we kind of write we off. We kind of skip Summit. Uh, Go ahead. Back to five. Yeah. I, I want to say that they they have bacon, you know, and they're projected with a loss, obviously, but a win would bump them up nicely. But uh, they're kind of riding the edge too at the number seven spot. Okay. If you look at the point totals, they're really close in there. I I like that they have a little edge right now over the eight and nine spot, but it's it will be close. Okay. So. so Bears watching. Yeah. You know, we can't predict them for sure. It's just too close. We had Coach Justin Isaacs on the podcast earlier this year. I mean, just a fantastic start for them. Yes. But it's just amazing to see with one loss how it can really it can. You know, kind of yes. move you down in the standings there. I mean, just no room for error this time of year. It doesn't matter what division you're it, it in. It really doesn't. You uh, think you it does. Game. But you look at how close the numbers are. People don't realize it, don't understand the number system, sure. how much it could, you know, basically, if you average all the division, let's just say it moves you up like five-tenths of a point or down five-tenths of a point. What you say, well, we won the game. We got, well, I've already got those in there because I picked you to win. <laughs> so you have to look at that. Were you picked to win and did you? Or if you didn't, then you lose point. Were you picked to lose and you did, you're going to gain points. So when you get to those little numbers that we put out, that's what you think about. Hard for a non-mathematical person to do that, I guess, but it's the way we do it. Before so. I let you go, Steve, uh, a lot of people look at this. They'll they'll have their thoughts. Uh, you know, like you said, you hear some naysayers, you hear some critics. There's so many other sites out there. There's Joe Idol. There's, you know, Drew Pastor. There's, I mean, and there's more, you know, information than ever before when it comes yes, to Ohio high yes. school football. But I want you to tell, and again, don't be bashful because I know how much work you put into this, especially this week. Um, you go team by team and project out each and every one of these schedules, and you start working on this basically over the summer uh, to, to get everything right. So tell people just kind of give them an example, especially this time of year, how much time you put into this. Okay, let me first say that I would always thank Joe Idle because the state told Joe he could let us have the files and things that we need. So we're working from the same schedule base and that is huge that he sends us that in, in August so we can put it into our program because my program scores predictions in addition to just points that are established at that time. Uh, yeah, I have the regions are sorted in the program. People that play anyone in the regions are sorted. But what it amounts to, what you're asking me, is that when I begin to predict games, and I don't do it till four or five games in the season sure. because you need a little basis for how teams are doing. Each weekend, I'm looking at 315 to 325 high school football schedules. Now, Mike, a lot of those people play each other, Mm -hmm. not every week. For example, I'm telling you about this team Taft played that's way up in northeast Ohio. I mean, I have to know what they do, and they don't play anybody else down here. So there's a whole lot of things like that. Out-of-state teams, you've got to look and say... Okay, they're playing other teams in Massachusetts. They play one team here. Are they going to win those games or not? Uh, Is that a good team in their own area? So looking at all those probably 
it's not a matter of hours. There's a lot of hours involved. But you go through that each weekend and you revise. You say after week six and after week seven, okay, I've predicted this team to win this, this, and now I don't think they're going to win this. So I've got to change that. And unfortunately, I have a gentleman who I never give a plug to. Joe, his name's Joe Felix. Joe wrote my program. I would say that when I started doing this, I by longhand, wrote out everything I knew that had to be done. I've told you this sure. story before, but maybe someone listening doesn't know it. And Joe took that and it put it into a computer program, all the things that I knew it had to be done to make to, to know about. And, and I think he said an inch thick in a loose leaf notebook. So there's a whole lot of computer construction instructions into it. Yeah, a lot of hours, a lot of time, and then it prints them by region and current numbers and projected numbers. So... That's, it, it's a long time, but you know, passion thing. Yes, indeed. You know, I am semi-retired. You know, <laughs> retired <laughs> when you're running, when you're commissioner of a conference. <laughs> you have a lot of things going on with officials and other things. But just always love sports numbers. Wow. Got started into it. Yeah, we I try to be accurate. I miss a few, and people will tell me that. But and that's okay. That's part of the fun of following stuff. Right. So wow. we'll we hope we're close. Definitely. Well, I appreciate everything you've done. Obviously, over the years, we're going to have the full bases covered for you uh, all this weekend on WC. WCPO Channel 9, also WCPO.com. We'll have a Facebook Live for you on Friday night. Stay with us. We'll have all of Steve's latest projections uh, starting Friday night. Uh, we'll be putting in all the scores. Kind of, He'll be crunching the numbers at my desk here. Uh, we'll be right. on the Friday night frenzy uh, with John Popovich and Keenan Singleton, 1125 Friday night. We'll also have a Facebook Live after that. We'll be watching all the games that are uh, in town and out of town on Saturday for you and uh, have all the official OHSA postseason uh, pairings and schedules for you on Sunday afternoon as well. Thanks for joining us. Thanks to Steve Shuck for taking a few minutes. And thank you for watching and listening. We'll talk to you next week.